Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Donald R. Prothrode will join us to discuss Giants of the Lost World. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science Show. Well, South America has an incredible history as a land where many strange creatures evolved and died out. And in the new book, Giants of the Lost World, Dinosaurs and Other Extinct Monsters of South America, Dr. Donald R. Protherode presents the science and history behind this fascinating story. The book is a captivating account of a lost world that is stranger than fiction. Dr. Protherode specializes in physics, planetary science, astronomy, earth sciences, and vertebrate paleontology. He's taught for 35 years at the college level at Columbia, Knox, Pierce, Vassar Colleges, and most recently as professor of geology at Occidental College and a lecturer of geobiology at Caltech. He's authored numerous scientific papers and over 35 books, including What the Fossils Say and Why It Matters, and his new book, Giants of the Lost World, Dinosaurs and the Other Extinct Monsters of South America. He explores this fascinating topic for a general audience, and uh, Dr. Prothero, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thanks so much for inviting me. Sir Larry, pleasure. Certainly a, a fascinating book you've written here, Giants of the Lost World. Uh, I'm curious, how did you become interested in paleontology? I'm one of those kids that got hooked on dinosaurs at age four and never grew up. And so as soon as I knew what a paleontologist was, I was convinced that's what I wanted to do. And I've never changed my plan ever since then. So, uh, But back when I did that in the late 50s, early 60s, I was the only kid I knew who liked dinosaurs. It's not like today where every kid of a certain age likes dinosaurs. So it was a very different kind of thing. It was very hard for me to find anything with dinosaur books or dinosaur paraphernalia, and now they're everywhere. So, But that's how I got started in my career, at least. I'll pay intelligence with spirit, at least since I was four. So, uh, do, you, do you think the popular interest in dinosaurs has uh, increased over that time? Uh, definitely has more increased in popularity. Uh, I mean, there is more stuff known now, but not like dinosaurs changed that much in the last 50 years. And so it's really more that you know, the, the media and the popular t- trends have caught on, and then more kids get hooked on dinosaurs at a young age than they used to. Um, I don't know what the reason for that is because it happened before Jurassic Park came along. Those certainly the Jurassic Park movies uh, helped it. Uh, and certainly my youngest now is hooked because of Jurassic Park movies. But uh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, it just it's a big, big thing now. And so I frequently go out and give talks to elementary schools and groups like that. You know, talk about dinosaurs because I know it always is a big one. Is there sort of a focus on dinosaurs that existed in North America? Right. Well, most of the people that know about dinosaurs in North America are those that have had publicity for the longest time, from Tyrannosaurus rex to Triceratops and all the rest. They first found in North America about 100, 110 years ago, so they got the early publicity and the jump start as far as people knowing who they are and what their names are and what they look like. Uh, and then, as I talk about in the book, the discovery of dinosaurs in South America is a relatively recent thing. It's only been the last 40, 50 years that they've discovered amazing things down there that top anything from any other continent. And it's really all due to the fact that the man, one man in particular, a guy named Jose Bonaparte in Argentina, who spearheaded most of these great expeditions, even though uh, there was plenty of stuff out there. It wasn't until relatively recent that South America's fossil record got the attention deserved. Why is it? Was it just uh, not accessible to uh, scientists from the Northern Hemisphere? Uh, well, there were scientists in the Northern Hemisphere who did all the pioneering work, uh, starting with Charles Darwin, actually. But uh, it was more that uh, you know the 
have, over time, the uh, South American you know, scientific infrastructure has never been as big as it has been in Europe and North America, and it just took time for the scientific infrastructure and for a lot more people to become interested in it, and, and then of having legendary fossil collectors like Bonaparte going out there and finally breaking the ice and realizing how much the way spectacular animals they really were. So it's relatively lesser known, and of course it's spectacular, or more spectacular than any other continent's dinosaurs by a long shot. So, so how does the uh, natural history of dinosaurs compare in to parts of the Americas, North and South? Um, the dinosaurs of South America not, have nothing to do with those in North America because they were separated once Pangaea broke up. And they mostly have to do with uh, dinosaurs in other parts of Gondwana, the southern continent, which means you see more similarities with Africa and with Madagascar even than you do with, say, North American dinosaurs. Uh, they have some of the same kind of thing. And uh, they have, you know, for example, among the big long-necked sauropod dinosaurs, we're familiar with all the neck things like brachiosaurs and so on, but those are pretty rare in South America. It's more of these large dinosaurs called titanosaurs, which you find in Gondwana continents and occasionally northward of that that dominate the South American fauna, and they have by far the biggest of all dinosaurs known. Some of their biggest titanosaurs are bigger than anything we've found anywhere else. It, was the uh, environment just more conducive to supporting these really uh, large dinosaurs uh, compared with, with North America? We really don't know. I mean, uh, their environment is very similar to what we find in other parts of the world. You know, they live in floodplains and sometimes in swampy areas, but mostly in floodplains and uh, low uh, hilly regions. And so there's not that much difference there. Um, it wasn't that much more tropical in South America during the Cretaceous than it was, let's say, in North America because the whole world was a greenhouse world and there was no polarized caps or anything. So uh, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, that's something that's been speculated about, but we really don't know what makes them so much bigger. What about the uh, surrounding wildlife? How did they compare uh, to that in, uh, say, North America? Did, did they, again, support the existence of these larger dinosaurs? We have some amazing predatory dinosaurs as well from South America, including the largest one ever discovered that's reasonably complete, and that's Giganotosaurus, which is a gigantic uh, predator bigger than T-Rex. Uh, some people say that the Spinosaurus, the one that was the star of Jurassic Park 3 with the big long fin on its back, is slightly bigger, but that animal is built very differently. As we know now from the newer specimens that are found, it's built more like a crocodile and mostly paddled in the water on four legs. So it was nothing really like a big two-legged predator like a T-Rex or a Giganotosaurus in South America. And we also have some really bizarre-looking predators as well. So there's things like Carnotaurus, uh, whose name literally means flesh bull because it has two large horns over its eyes on its skull. Uh, very spectacular and interesting dinosaur. It's already had the star of one Disney movie. Uh, and they even have things like Spinosaurus down in South America, a thing called Irritator. It's not completely known as Spinosaurus, but it's a very similar animal, which was an aquatic dinosaur, uh, predatory dinosaur. It looked more like a crocodile. So which one of these was the largest? Among um, predatory dinosaurs, Giganotosaurus is currently the, the biggest one we know. There are claims of bigger ones, but they're not complete enough to really tell. Do they sort of uh, encounter anything uh, unique to South America? Yeah, well, those the, the dinosaurs that uh, dominate there, like the, the, things like Giganotosaurus, which is the southern hemisphere group, the Carcharodontosaurus, and, uh, for example, Spinosaurus, you only see those in the Gondwana continents as well. And they don't have a lot of things you find in the North American Cretaceous. You don't see big horned dinosaurs at all. Uh, you very seldom see anything of those armored dinosaurs called ankylosaurs. And you only rarely get a duckbill or two that manage to get down from the north. But uh, you go to the Cretaceous in Montana or Alberta, it's all duckbills and, and horned dinosaurs like Triceratops and, and uh, places like that. And you don't see any of the kinds of things you see in South America so abundantly. Do you have a favorite among all of these specimens that are unique to South America? Well, I'm sort of fond of a lot of them. I think Conotaurus, just because it's the coolest-looking guy with the horns over his eyes, looks pretty wicked. 
So a lot of people like Conotaurus. <laughs> I'm curious. So you know, the dinosaurs ruled for for a long time. Did did they die out at the same time in South America, or was uh, was it all uh, this presumed extinction event, or how how did how did they die out? So far as we know, they did because we don't have a good record of the very end of the Cretaceous in South America. It's no, there's no continuous sequence across the boundary there like there is up in Montana, for example. And so it's really hard to know for sure, but certainly there's no sign that any of them survived in the early part of the age of mammals. They found something in the early land mammal fauna there after the age of mammals. There's clearly no dinosaurs left. But what's interesting is that there is evidence from not just South America, but from just south of there, the Antarctic Peninsula, which touches the tip of Chile and Argentina, uh, that the extinction of the dinosaurs is not as instantaneous as the media sometimes portray it, and that especially when you look at the marine animals that were living in the southern hemisphere at the time, they're gradually going out over that entire interval over the last few years of the Cretaceous which means that there's more than just the rock in space, as the media likes to give it simplistically. It had to do with a lot of other things. We think that the giant volcanic eruptions going on in India and Pakistan right at that time, the Deccan volcanics are contributing to climate change and to harsh environments. So it was a tough time for a lot of animals to end the Cretaceous. And the rock in space is just a part of the story, contrary to what you hear in the popular media. Just a convergence of a lot of different things that really made life difficult right. for, for, for a lot of Yeah, Cretaceous, uh, life in Cretaceous was a very bad time. And uh, <laughs> the rock space was just a coup de grace of a time that was already seeing dinosaurs dying out quite quite early before that. And many other things were on their last legs by the time the rock space showed up. So what made it out of the Cretaceous then in terms of the legacy of the dinosaurs? Uh, well, the biggest legacy, of course, is birds, which are dinosaurs and which, of course, survived today in great abundance in all continents, as you know, and in the oceans as well. Uh, but in particular, South America has some strikingly interesting and bizarre birds, partly because when the age of mammals began, South America was already pretty isolated from the rest of the world, so it did not acquire uh, things from the other part of the world like large predatory mammals that evolved in, say, North America or Eurasia. And so large birds took that role over, and they had this group of birds called the forest rakids, to these huge uh, uh, bipedal or uh, two-legged ground birds that could not fly, but they were up to 10 feet long. Uh, and they had gigantic long hooked beaks and heavy-duty skulls for crushing bones and ripping flesh. And they're like something out of a nightmare, basically. And they were the dominant predator in much of South America for much of their history because no large mammal was there to compete with them until fairly late. Uh, so in that sense, dinosaurs still ruled South America for a very long time until they vanished. And they stayed pretty much in South America. A couple of times they managed to uh, uh, come north across Central America and even show up in Florida. But most of the time they're the dominant predator in South America. And then the other dominant predator there that's a mammal predator is also surprising, and that is the, the group of uh, marsupials that was already in South America before it became isolated. Uh, marsupials, of course, are like pouch mammals, like kangaroos and opossums and things like that. And the opossums that were already native to South America evolved into things that looked like wolves, and took, looked like uh, hyenas, and especially one that even converged on saber tooth. So we have a pouched uh, marsupial saber tooth that comes from South America. So does this say anything uh, particularly interesting about how evolution works, or are there just kind of convergent forms that uh, pressured under certain environmental circumstances? No, that's actually the answer. So they're convergent, and the idea is that South America never got this big uh, de development of the things that are native to the rest of the world, especially the northern continents, like the large hoof mammals we associate with our part of the world, or any of the other things. Never got cats, never got dogs, or any of those things that were evolved here until really late, and then South America only acquired them really late. And so meanwhile, other mammals took those roles. And so we have not just um, you know, possums trying to be saber-toothed, but we have this native group of hoof mammals, was, uh, several actually native group of hoof mammals found only in South America, and they evolve in parallels. It looks very remarkably like horses 
and other groups are evolved to look like hippos and rhinos, and some evolved to look remarkably like rabbits. Uh, they did a tremendous job of mimicking what was evolving on other continents, and yet they're not related in any way to those things from other continents. So it's a, really one of the most striking examples of convergent evolution that ever happened. And are, are these groups, were they just sort of still isolated, much like the, the dinosaurs are from uh, those mammals in the northern uh, North America? That's right. Uh, shortly before the end of the Cretaceous, there was the last gasp of things making it out of North America there. We had the last of the dinosaurs that managed to cross. And then by the beginning of the age of mammals, there's no more passage for anything for quite a while, at least 30 million years. And meanwhile, all these things evolve in isolation without competition from mammals that are evolving in other continents. So that's why they get so, so remarkably and, uh, developed and divergent in their, their uh, evolution. And this continued right up until nearly the end. And then starting around 10 million years, the studies that a colleague of mine and I did in the Amazon basin, we start seeing the first things that are starting to come across from North America. And by you know, five or four million years, there's more managed to cross over Central America as it's closing up. And then the big rush of things that are typical in North America finally happens around 2.8 million years ago when Panama closes for good and almost everything in North America rumbles south. And in most cases, they end up pushing all the South American natives to extinction. Did, did the rise of mammals then in South America then uh, parallel that uh, in other parts of the, of the world? North? Yes, it did in its own unique way. In other words, mammals all started small in the beginning of age, uh, age of mammals, but they evolved into different body forms very quickly and adapted to adopt, living in things like trees and living in and, uh, you know, underbrush and becoming predators and all these things that they didn't do when they were living in the world of dinosaurs. And yet South America started with a totally different uh, rootstock of totally different animals not related to those found in North America or anywhere else. And so they start with a different beginning point, and they end up evolving a lot of things unique to them, including things that look, as I said, like North American critters. But if you look closer, you realize they're just evolving convergent. As you mentioned, there are this sort of wide variety of, of mammals that uh, had existed then, but uh, many of these didn't really kind of make it out uh, just 10,000 years ago. So where, where have they all gone? Well, the majority of them died out before 10,000 years ago, because of, it's presumed because of competition from all the natives that come from North America, uh, especially the you know, presence of saber-toothed cats and other cats and dogs, none of which lived there until they came sort of, uh, south across the Panama Land Bridge as well as camels and tapirs and peccaries. All these animals you think of as normal for South America, especially the rainforest and the jungles of the Amazon, they're all North American-derived, uh, deer and so on. They strictly uh, came from North America and then evolved in South America. And so you know, the things that are really native to the continent are just sloths and anteaters and armadillos and a few others that still survive there. And so they all came in and pushed most of the, as far as we can tell, pushed most of South American natives out uh, for a variety of uh, reasons, we think. Uh, but there were a couple of survivors, these huge elephant-like, uh, sort of like cross between an elephant and a camel and a giraffe, if you can imagine that. And then there's also a hippo-like or rhino-like thing called Toxodon, which are still hanging on to the very end of the last ice age. And then they go out with all the ice age mammals that were from North America. And the reasons for that are also controversial because, you know, there are people who say, well, it's climate change, but it's a complicated story and there's more to it than that. Uh, there's people who say, well, humans coming over from Asia were, were super hunters and drove all the natives extinct, but you can show that's not the entire story because, in fact, humans were there much earlier. In fact, in South America, they were there about 30,000 years ago at a place called Monteverde in Chile, which means if they were hunting those mammals, they were, there was a long time of overlap before they finally went extinct. So um, there's, there's really no clear right answer there. It's probably a combination of pressure from human hunting, but also probably climate changes that are unusual, very unusual ones at the end of the last ice age. 
what's the uh, diversity of, of life like in South America? Is it under greater pressure uh, compared to other parts of the world from, from humans or other environmental forces? It's under pretty extreme pressure. I mean, almost all the world's mammals and, and wildlife in general are under pressure because of humans. But South America's rainforest, of course, is being chopped down faster than any other uh, tropical rainforest on the planet. And that's tougher on large mammals, which require large amounts of area, like jaguars and so on. They can't live in tiny little remnants of rainforest caught between uh, sawgrass fields or whatever they decide to plant. Uh, so they're, they're almost everything there is threatened, especially things that are pretty rare to begin with. And uh, so the rainforest destruction is a big part of it. And then there's just general pressure on the entire South American animal population, from those who live up in the Andes to the Amazon rainforest to even those who live down in Patagonia and the Pampas and, the, and that area. There's, there's a lot of changes that are pushing them into to, uh, the extreme limits of their ability to survive. It looks like we are running slightly out of time. I'm just curious, uh, maybe, what do you hope that uh, readers are going to take away from your book? Oh, I'm, I'm just trying to tell a fun story, uh, because these animals are basically uh, underappreciated. You know, everyone knows so much about North American dinosaurs, and occasionally hear something about Asian dinosaurs, but the ones in South America are just as amazing, if not better, especially considering they're the biggest ones we know. And then the story, as I just mentioned, of the history of mammals in South America is a, is a startling one. It tells so much about evolution and so much about how animals get from point A to point B in a variety of different ways. And, uh, and then, of course, the story about how these things are all now being pushed to the limits is one that I would really, really want to emphasize for people who read the book. It certainly is a fascinating new book. Uh, the book, again, is called Giants of the Lost World, Dinosaurs and Other Extinct Monsters of South America, and the author is Dr. Donald R. Prothero. And uh, Dr. Prothero, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thanks so much for inviting me. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking. Thank you.